0: Here we go with the John Carlish, Sherry Elliger show. Sherry out, and Tom and in. Tell me, you've really turned the show serious because uh, normally they're just full of all sorts of. We do a thing called news It's a combination of news and entertainment, uh, which involves a lot of flatulence and stuff. But we have not oh. had, yeah. Oh, Andrew likes to do, that. but rather, ser- say, Thanks that. rather that serious. Thanks for that. serious. Serious for the last two hours. Well, I've just taken a trip back to third grade. Oh, you're. It was fun back then. Diving in the door. All right. We want to talk to uh, Senator Mark Mullet, running governor. We're trying to get him on the line. We know he's in Olympia doing lots of votes and all lots of work for the people. We want to run through all the initiatives with him, see where he is on this. Oh, good. All right. All right. Mark Mullet, thank you for spending some time with us. We know that you're very, very busy. I saw a tweet come out saying, look out, Democrats, there might be a secret MAGA um, conservative Republican in your midst. And that's how they're describing you, Mark Mullet. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I did not know that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I'm really that nefarious or clever, but go ahead.
0: Well, well it's fu- because you read you you see sort of the 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 way these bills are getting killed it's like well, you know is it Colonel Mustard in the study with the candlestick? No, it's Mark mullet from Issaquah he's voting on some of these things and knocking them down. I was like, God, we got to get him on the phone and talk to him uh, Greg Talman's on with us as well greg uh, producer over th- uh, with Michael medvid, so uh, you're in good hands here. so let me just run through are you um h- how do you respond when people say senator Millett, what are you doing you're supposed to be voting with the democrats you is this a political move in order for you know people to see you as you run for governor to be a, a possible alternative to bob ferguson and then somebody in the middle between ferguson and um and dave reichert
1: well i mean that's that is clearly a realistic definition i mean you have Ferguson is as far left as you can go. And I mean, I like Dave Reichert a lot, but I am only a pro-life Republican who's going to get elected in our state as governor this year. But I think to your point, my entire time I've been in the Senate, I just, I push back on unnecessary tax increases and I push back on unnecessary business regulations. And I push back on things that take us the wrong direction on public safety. So on those three issues, like anytime I feel there's too much of an overreach, like I'm comfortable. And I think the, The bills that didn't pass. I'm like the one person who's come out publicly and said, "Yes, I oppose those bills. (laughs) Like I oppose rent control. I don't regret opposing rent control. I think it would have led to fewer houses getting built in our state. And and I'm fully comfortable backing up my position. And even though the bill died without a vote, so people don't know exactly where people were, I've made it very clear. Like, hey, this I don't think was going to lead to more affordable housing. I think it would have done the opposite. I think we would have had." fewer housing units getting built, which would have led to you know, more increased demand for housing prices. So it would have yeah. done the
2: opposite. And and, uh, Mark, Senator, can you give us a window into what happens when the chamber breaks up, the right GOP goes into their chamber and progressives go into their chamber? Uh, You know, how long are these conversations and, you know, what are the main sticking points and what really pushes people over the edge uh, in some of these discussions about various measures? Just kind of give us a look behind the curtain if you can. I'm curious.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the conversations for one are very long they're very spirited and and i always say that the most important arguments you're going to make are actually in those rooms because that is the point you have to convince people that this policy is not ready to go and hey just one second guys we're on the floor i got about I
2: okay. <laughs> priorities. There we go. That, was yes.
1: a, that was a good bill. That was, I, I was. not rank control. I didn't vote for rank control. That was How's good. that for okay. behind the scenes? <laughs> wow, I just voted on. wait.
2: Push the other button. <laughs>
1: wait. So, <Yeah. laughs> so, like so going back, you have to then in those in that private room is when you really have to have your ducks in a row to argue to your colleagues why you think a proposal like rank control is bad public policy. Because mm-hmm. if you can't make your argument successfully there. Like once they come out and say, hey, we're doing this, we're we're voting, at that point, there's all the public speeches, but that means you've already lost. You know, and that means right. rent control would be passing. And so I really think – like I tend to speak a lot in private because that's where I feel like you have to influence your colleagues to look at policy in as broad and broad a way possible. And, and so to me, that was a good outcome on that bill. And – and the public speeches you see a lot of times, like if there's a policy I don't like, by the time it comes to the floor of the Senate, that means I lost the battle. I mean, right? That means they found the twenty-five votes, and and so you well. Can and during do these speeches, private, you're not changing
2: during these private yeah. conversations. How often do members of the Senate actually change their mind? Rather infrequently, frequently, or do they just double down on what they already believe? And people Ooh. are just stating what they believe, and they're immovable objects.
1: No, people change their minds in those discussions. Mm -hmm. 100%, they will change their mind. And so you have to, but that is the point where, and this is really relevant, I think, when you're worried about a bill being bad public policy, where you really have to have your information and explain to your colleagues why you don't think it's ready to go. And, And I think then you can change their mind. That is, I mean, I've seen it time and time again. Like, I'll be honest, like right now, like my big fight is, this unemployment for workers going on strike i think it's just complete craziness and you know i'm a small business owner i i love i fully support the unemployment insurance fund so if you lose a job through no fault of your own we're there to prop you up if you look for a new job but to pay people who are going on strike and, and so that's my current fight in these private rooms is really highlighting this is a horrible message to send a business across the country hey come to washington like you're going to have to pay your own workers to go on strike against you. It's like this is not yeah. a good recruiting tool for our state. And so these are the arguments. that so like I said, if that bill comes up for a vote, that means I've lost my arguments, right? So my goal is to right. keep it from coming up for a vote.
0: But, Mark, as your background as a businessman, you understand, you know, you get your your uh, debits and your credits and you're looking at those and you're able to, you know, rationalize, well, Okay, spend this amount of money? This is what I have at the end of the year. I've got my margins, I've got my profit, everything else. And you start to look at the, you know, the the unintended consequences of some of these things. But when you're making your argument, you're basically selling to uh, your fellow um senators this this will happen if you do a plus b plus c this will be the outcome but when you're laying it out in that rational way
1: you would see running up a,
0: yeah learn some economics. you be running into an ideologue who, who doesn't want to look at any of that sort of stuff but wants to sort of sort of be over there in that squishy world of feelings I mean, how do you possibly begin to even communicate with someone like Because you have a number of senators
1: that are more feeling-driven than fact-driven. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fair statement. But, like, on this unemployment insurance bill, I could actually personally share how my uninsurance rates went up from COVID. I think, you know, I was paying half of 1%, and now I'm paying 1.6%. That's a tripling of rates, and I'm like, this is not the time to start paying out a bunch of extra benefits out of the UI trust fund for workers who are on strike when we're all paying two or three X higher rates than we were before COVID. And it wasn't our fault that that fund got depleted during COVID. That was the government telling people they couldn't go to work you know, yeah. and we had to pay out the money. And so I, but I can't share those actual personal real life stories as, as a small business owner with my colleagues. And, and my hope is when they hear that perspective that it doesn't influence how they think about the policy, but yeah, some people they're going to dig in; they're not going to change. And, mm-hmm. and I think you have to realize that on the next bill, they might be your friend. So you don't you don't want to impugn people's motives just because you disagree with them. I right. think you just have to realize that your enemy one day on Tuesday could be your friend on Thursday, and so you right. just have to have a functional civil relationship with your your elected officials on both sides of the
0: aisle.
2: Well, so speaking which, which, of that, we hear a lot about the rancor in politics at the national level. There's endless name-calling and distrust and mudslinging. It's a bit exhausting for people like me who just want to see a functioning government where compromise is not a dirty word and politicians work together to make it a more perfect union. Okay. Are things much better on the state level or dare I say, is there a trickle down effect from the nation's political climate? Give us a window window into uh, say the cross party relations. I know that sounds a bit dirty. My my
1: personal, (laughs) no, my personal perspective is they're way better on the state level. I have, I mean, I exchange Christmas cards with, Republicans. Every year, we go out and get drinks and and dinner, and so I think I have. I would say my social relationships with Republicans are pretty even to my social relationships with other Democrats in terms of mm-hmm. time I spend outside of session. I think that D.C. I agree with you seems completely broken. I think that's why we keep seeing all our members of Congress all giving up. But at the at the state level here, I still think you know there's more, I'm more hopeful on the state level, and I just. What I find is if you have someone at the you know, leadership position who's actually forcing the sides to work together, they can find common ground. The, the frustrating thing is if somebody's like, I got the votes, why would I change a single sentence in this entire bill if I have 25 votes? Well, it's just not good public policy is the end result. And I think you see the initiative, like the long-term care payroll tax. That was a, you know, there's a bill that's just getting passed on a party-line vote, and now here we are five years later – and the voters going to weigh in on that bill. I and mean, that was a bill that I I didn't succeed in convincing my colleagues was bad public policy. Now I think the voters will weigh in, and mm-hmm. it will be interesting, I think, this year to see what happens on the long-term care payroll tax.
0: We're talking with Senator Mark Mullet running for governor, and then we're going to play a little fast um, uh, lightning round. You ready to go there, Andrew? Here we go. Mm-hmm. Here come the initiatives, Mark. Look at that. 2113, police pursuit, yes or no?
1: Yes, it's passing next week. Good. So 2117,
0: the carbon tax.
1: Get rid of it? The Keep tax is it. The one, this is the one where I say that we gave so much. Sorry, I'm not helping with your lightning round. The music is making <laughs> up. He's throwing you ah. off. The, uh, All right, but, So give well, him Jeopardy. Give if, him Jeopardy if, if, music, Andrew. Give I Jeopardy out, music. If, if I got out of the primary,
2: In the form form of a question.
1: I no no, (laughs) doubt. But but I'm saying if I knew that I was if I was in a position to be governor, the governor can actually substantially lower the price of gas without passing a single bill. But if I don't get out of the primary and it's gonna be Bob Ferguson as governor, well then hundred percent I would vote to repeal it because I don't trust Bob Ferguson more than I trust Jay Ensley to do anything to try to keep gas affordable. I think they would just drive up the price of gas excessively. But if you had the right governor you can actually keep that policy and lower the price of gas. It's not mutually exclusive with Jay Inslee. It's mutually exclusive, but for others, it's not. But the other, I can, I can speed it up now. The other one, okay, I'm supporting. <laughs> I'm in the public. I'm supporting the other four, and three of them are going to pass next week. And then the capital gains tax, I voted against when it yeah. was up in the Senate in 21. And the long-term care payroll tax, I voted against. So. And
0: 2081, the last one, the parental notification, I'm supporting it. And, hey, i got to vote one more time. Okay. All right. I? There he goes. All right. Yes. Don't blow it. Another
1: good
0: bill. I don't, Another good bill. Oh, no, not <laughs> <that laughs> good bill. Hey, Mark Mullet, uh, I've always been a fan of yours. I've been over in Sammamish, and I know you're over there in Issaquah. I wish you the best. We were uh, on the
1: for... city council together at one point.
0: Interesting. Oh. Oh. Yeah. No, oh. you were in that city council. i Yes. Well, you were over there in Issaquah and at, we use, I always used to say to somebody, take a look at the blue pages of the Issaquah phone book and all those blue pages. Everyone, that's all government. You're a big, big bloated government in Issaquah. Sammamish, so, we only had 36 full-time employees because we were all on a contract basis, but you guys had all of those people suckling <laughs> from the teat. It's all in there. You're all part of it. Listen, I, I, here, here, here's my recommendation. Uh, if you're a you're a Dave Reichert fan you understand there's a Republican there but I tend to say something if you are if you're somebody who just can't it is Mark Mullet gets your vote. If you want a common sense individual with a D next to the name, it's Mark Mullet. Senator Mark Mullet. Thanks for being on.
1: Let's get back to work. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. Okay, thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right, there he goes.
0: Ooh. All right, Mark Mullet out the door. Well, two uh, votes happening yes. at the exact time that Look we're doing at that. the show. Government I was going to ask him
2: I? what the price of a gallon of milk was, but I was cut off. Oh. I was getting in the prices right space. That's the George H.W. Bush politician question. How <laughs> yeah, out of touch are you? Do you know <laughs> it's what the price? so the- loud. It's very very disruptive. Very. He's very loud and disruptive. Yeah. Maybe we next time. We threw him off on that one. He seems like so, a nice guy.
0: You know, that price of a gallon of milk is so unfair. Like, my father wouldn't have known that. I remember one time we were living in the house for like 11 years, and one day my, mom, my dad yells out, Hey, where do we keep the forks? <laughs> <laughs> right. My mom's like, what did your dad just say? I said, I, I think he wanted to know where we keep the forks. Hey, where are the forks? I'm looking for a fork. <laughs> it's in the kitchen. Sounds right? like a You're fun like, house. Back though, I feel like obviously he's not involved in the kitchen. I think he knows what a gallon of milk costs. When I mean, you ask George Bush, it was George uh, W. or H. Bush? Right? It was the senior? They didn't. He didn't know when he's going to the grocery by the, store. By the way, right Mark thinks he's
3: still on with us. He's been on hold responding to our comments. Let's let's ask him about the
1: milk.
0: No, <laughs> oh, okay. he's not still.
1: Okay. Wait, Mark. Okay, thanks, okay, what is a gallon of milk? A gallon of
0: milk at QFC What's,
2: today. Gallon of milk.
1: Over under. Going, no, six dollars.
2: Six dollars. Whoa, where are you buying wow. milk? Whoa, oh, that's Whole Foods <laughs> milk. You're you okay. not paying. Oh,
1: I'm buying the organic milk. That's oh, right. Oh, the there we go. Time. There's the
2: rub. Okay, oh, nice. I'm finding it online for three ninety nine. You went way over. You wow. did not make the showcase showdown. <laughs> <laughs> so All right. Here's the big ready. question.
0: Here's the big question, Mark Muller. Where would you buy your eggs if you had to buy your eggs from somebody that serves in the Republican? Party? Where
2: would I you buy, buy eggs? I buy,
1: oh, oh, I do buy the Wilcox eggs.
2: The yes, there you go. Yes. We're wasting Wilcox, our time with this serious person. I,
1: mean. <laughs> I know.
2: All
0: right, listen, Mark, go back to work. We're done with you. We thought you hung up on us. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Go back okay, to work. Bye-bye. We'll see you around Issaquah. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Okay. I didn't know he was still on the air. <laughs> still on hold. He was entertained. He couldn't <laughs> oh, get yeah, enough. All right. Yeah, all right. Six dollars for the expensive milk. Wilcox Family farm eggs enjoyed by Senator Mark Mullin and hundreds of thousands of families. It's Wilcox Family Fire Mugs. This uh, story, this is going to be hard to do this one justice because the visuals are so unbelievably disappointing. Uh, there was, I think, it was in Scotland. There was this photo of some website you could go to, and you could go to have like a Willy Wonka experience. It looked absolutely magical. The ground was covered in some sort of blue, wonderful, sort of ethereal. Uh, trees were everywhere. Things were made out of chocolate, and there was going to be uh, bushes and and uh, uh, candy canes and and great big lollipops and candy drops and everything. It was just, it's it's the imagination of the child was coming to life and you would pay, was it $44 or something like that to go to this Willy Wonka experience?
2: Yeah, the advertisements on the web were stunning. And I I venture to guess that they were AI generated. Absolutely. It it sort of looked like uh, consumers would be in for a type of Beatles-esque acid trip in India circa 1968 and they get a party with the ghost of Gene Wilder. Oh, and instead,
0: <laughs> oh,
2: my God, Something it very is. different played out and people <laughs> walked into a room that looked like sort of an elementary school carnival with the cakewalk and blow up dolls.
0: No, but worse, <laughs> worse, because it was like in a big warehouse. Yes. Right. And you can see, like, whoever's in there to like set it up, like, where do you want to put that? I don't just pin it there on Come the wall.
2: With so me, yes. Sorry. That Keep decoration. going.
0: No, 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 no. Go and
2: on. you'll
4: see. With
2: me. Oh. I preceded the late, great Gene Wilder. One of my favorite movies, by the way. Don't want to get a sidetrack, but... Sorry. you
3: CNN did interview. I put it in your cue, John. The I got guy, it. Okay, I, good.
4: I
0: know. I was just going to let Greg Tellman keep seeing <laughs> yeah, it. Please, say that I had the floor. This night that you want to forget. Badly. I'm wondering when you first
4: in the world
0: suspected Wait, that something start. was off about this gig. And <laughs> we'll Wait, don't don't help him with the music in the background. Just listen how horrible this is. So they go up to this actor who got hired, he's supposed to play I don't know one of the characters or something. He walks into this almost completely empty warehouse. There's just ju- there were three dirty bean bags over in this corner with this w- w- crappy looking table next to it. So
4: I I think it was when I received the script and uh upon reading it um it was AI generated um just nonsense <laughs> um it was 15 long and i had one day to learn it uh, and and to say it made no sense is an understatement so i think that was probably my first red flag that there's some not quite right at, at, at my chocolate factory. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was scary. It sounds like what AI generated. This was uh, pretty
2: terrifying for the kids. And no. uh, tell us a little bit about that. And also that it appeared there was really no chocolate, no candy no chocolate. to assuage their no chocolate river being
4: terrified. Um you know why why would there be chocolate at the chocolate factory um no we were uh, asked to give the children um a couple of like one or two jelly beans and a quarter of a cup of lemonade um it was <laughs> it it was it was it was, it was bad the, the the script was was absolute just nonsense um you were saying about the scary parts uh one of my favorite lines was there was a line that was um there is a man. He is known as the unknown. The unknown is an evil chocolate maker Ooh. who lives in the walls. <laughs> and, and I, to this day, do not know what that means. <laughs> uh, I don't want to know what that means. I don't want to know what that, that means. That sounds yeah. terrible.
0: You know, that, that crappy interview, because th- the thing was, they should have asked him about the place. I, I assume they're going to get their money back and the parents will demand it. But the kids were crying because they realized This is horrible. Horrible.
2: And That's yes. what I tell my kids when I try to get them to eat vegetables. I say, "There's an evil chocolate maker in the walls. He's going to come out and shove candy down your throat if you don't eat your carrots." It's a tried and true formula.
0: I would. I'd be like, "Let's shove some candy down my throat." I'm not going to eat those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The reverse psychology is not going to work on that one. Yeah. yeah. The um, you ever gone to anything a public event of some sort? Thought it was going to be a lot better than it was. and You're like, "Oh, this is this is." What a
2: disappointment. Star Wars Phantom Menace. (laughs) I love that original trilogy so much, made such a big impact on my childhood. I remember when it was announced that they were going to, George Lucas was going to make a prequel. I was not one of those crazies that camped out to try to get in the movie Uh theater on day one. But when it finally came time to see it in the theater, I remember my jaw was open. My mouth was Uh open for all the wrong reasons. 30 minutes in, just thinking, (laughs) what have they done with this beloved series? This is a nightmare. So I don't even let my kids know that the prequels exist. I downloaded oh. the original trilogy online because you can't find the unaltered versions anywhere except for, like, the dark web. So I got the originals in all their glory, and my kids have no idea there's any spinoffs, no idea there's any prequels because I don't want to tarnish the enduring mm. legacy of that 1977 film, The Empire Strikes Back, the greatest sequel of all time. Rogue okay, One Okay, Ewoks pretty good, were fine. Right? Rogue One? Rogue One. Yeah, even then, though. Uh, I mean, they've had like 30 shots at right. it, and Rogue One was kind of good. Hey, uh, uh, before we get oh, off of w- really Walker... Welcome
0: walk out, back to Nerd Talk, everybody. <laughs> nerd <laughs> Speaking nerd of Nerd talk. Destination
2: Curly uh, Show.
3: Nick uh, texted me, and she wants me to let everybody know that if you're watching our stream, or if you tune into our stream right now, that John has put on his Oompa Loompa costume. What? Yes. Uh, t- take a peek right here, right what over. What
2: do you get when you guzzle down sweet? Oh yeah, he's
0: got his
3: orange Eating face. as
2: much as an elephant eats. Take it, John. What are you
0: talking about what are you talking about? Oh, your lighting.
3: You you're lighting. You're this time of day you turn into an oompa loompa. What? I don't think there's you anything like you can do about it, but uh, it's because the sun's gone down. Uh, yeah, don't change it balance. now. It's it's this is on brand. We're talking about Wonka. It looks like there's a very bright light shining, a red light shining in your
2: face. Yeah. Why am I getting whiter? <laughs> Somebody, somebody I, I think being. I could get whiter <laughs> than this. Look at how, look at the color I am. Jeez, you look like an Oompa Loompa.
4: Oh, ay, ay, ay.
2: Do you really not know any of the lyrics to the original Oompa Loompa songs, John? No, I never saw what, that movie. Oh, what you, gosh. If
3: your kid is a brat, walking around sun-tang like
2: a scientist's cat. Okay, yeah. and then watch would be Star fat Wars shaming again. Yeah. Yeah. okay Wars how about you man. when did you have high expectations for something and you went into it, it as an utter disaster this show, uh, I, show. I, <laughs> yeah i didn't
3: <laughs> it for it i have the room shot ready <laughs> yeah.
0: we went to, we went to our, the Hershey Park um, Adventure Experience at Hershey Park, where you could get in this like little trolley car thing. It would take you by all the chocolate. Of course, everybody spent most of the time spitting big loogies into the chocolate there at Hershey. (laughs) Oh, nice! I "I can't believe, really, they're letting like the public because there was a big stream of chocolate, and you were like a real chocolate river. It couldn't be a real... Tra- there's no way they would, like... Because everybody else is walking around with those hairnets on their chins. Like, there's no way they let a bunch of kids just be in these carts going along. You weren't in the river. You were in this little track that ran beside the thing. But I'm thinking, that can't be the actual chocolate. Mm. You guys there's are no spitting way. in it? Of course.
3: <laughs> Come on, John. Yeah.
0: St. Louis Jerks. Academy, they took us to the, Art- to the Empire State Building and kids went to the gift shop first so they could throw stuff off the top of the Empire State Building. And they kept saying, "Oh, if you throw a penny off yeah. the top of the Empire State Building, <laughs> it's going to go through it. It can go through a dog's skull." And it's like and there's a bunch of kids just chucking chains off the top of the Empire State Building.
2: Oh good. I will say this, the power of expectations cannot be overstated in various aspects of life. This is true. Yes. Like McDonald's doesn't make the best burger, but they meet consumer's expectations. A French fry at Clearwater, Florida McDonald's tastes the same as a French fry at a McDonald's in Kirkland, Washington, right? Right. Uh, And it's a testament to why if you meet someone's expectations again and again and again and again, you're doing something right. How about that? Wow, that was deep. No one's listening! <laughs> I, look, <laughs> listen! Listen! Oh, it started strong. I didn't stick the landing <laughs> I thought it was great. All right. yeah. I was going to try to interrupt you with this one.
0: All righty. Rather serious show today. It's good to do that. Right, Greg? Uh, w-
2: we had a Washington what? State senator on The Price Is Right and Jeopardy at the same time. Pretty <laughs> serious. So to loosen it
0: up a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, oh, here comes the mailman Blair, with us.
2: Blair Rich project
3: again. You're talking about the live stream? <laughs> yes. It is a little uh, creepy. Hey, Vern has a new light for you. You come get it tomorrow.
0: Yeah, real, real professional. <laughs> okay, okay. Just start. Would you do something? Here comes the mailman now.
1: Come on, man. I'm the mailman, as you
0: can see, I'm the mailman, don't nobody mess with me, I'm the mailman, if you ain't know, I'm the mailman, I bring the mail to your door. Yes, she does, right to your door. Come on, mailman, come on in. How about that? Is that better?
3: Oh, <laughs> you're going to get being interrogated.
0: <laughs> All right, let me turn this down. Fix it. Like, why? Like, who's ever watching on... I don't know. Come on. Nicole, this apparently. Works. There we go. All right. Uh, okay, Greg, you get a chance to start. Letter of the day. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But first, let's get started. And by the way, Joe, I haven't received the letters.
2: <laughs> That's a good start.
0: <laughs> uh, so I left... was just
2: complaining about our internet,
0: but I sent I, I them. Go ahead. Go, Greg, you got them all.
2: Left-wing <laughs> mullet man writes in, who's this other guy on the radio right now? I heart him. To that, I say, when right wing man bun boy texts in, then I will feel validated. <laughs> uh, Would be Island Girl writes, Hi there. The very first time I heard the Tom and Curly show, John was talking about having too high estrogen levels, which was making him cry all the time. True. I, I was hooked immediately because you got to be some kind of a man to make that kind of confession.
0: Yes, I, uh, what had happened was is I ran, I did an Ironman, uh, and then I was doing a bunch of marathons and it messed up my hormone levels. And I was a city council member in Sammamish and I couldn't get through the Pledge of Allegiance without crying. So I thought, well, that's a problem. So I went <laughs> to this doctor and he's like, yeah, your hormones are all messed up. So then they took the estrogen down, put the testosterone up. And then I just figured just why not keep slathering it on my body. You still cry a
2: lot, though, and I appreciate that about you.
0: Well, thank you.
2: Something you can do in place of estrogen, if I get less than five hours of sleep in a night, I can cry Uh, instantly, and I made that correlation years ago. I'm going on an hour and a half today, but I've yet to cry in this show. We'll see see if some of these texts uh, change that outcome. Uh, Guinness World Records topic, Jana and Edmonds, writes, I was part of the largest kazoo ensemble in the Royal Albert Hall Red Nose Show. We made the coveted. Guinness Book of World Records. Note from Joe confirmed she provided a photo and video evidence of this. Okay,
0: we're going to list all the people that have already been in there already. Doug in Mount Vernon says, Joe Mama, maybe John can reprise his old shirt wearing Guinness record. I heard he had a bunch of t-shirts in the office and then Joe Fox Mama. LNG says, what about setting the record for the most failed attempts at world records? By the way, what about a atten- uh, world record attempt most times of setting that in, Fox Island G? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. The third time he's probably."
2: Touche.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, on the subject of how will America react to the presidential election, Mike in the 425 writes John, you're having a brilliant moment. What are we fighting for? Taken a step further, peace or more fighting? Thank you for saying that, John. I didn't even know I said that. <laughs> I didn't uh, Mike either. In,
0: yeah, Mike and the six uh, says, 100% agree with you, John Curley. If Trump loses this time, he needs to get out. Uh, people get connected to the personality and they won't let go. We need to move forward together no matter what.
2: And from the 253, John, you said something recently, and it's had a huge impact on me. When something bad happens, say Good because yes. now you can move on. I tell my kids that now, it has been great to remember and we should all practice this.
0: That is it is that is a mind twisting moment when something happens good or bad, mostly when it's bad. You say good, okay. Now the step forward. It's uh, David Goggins, I think, was uh, that's that? he said that. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson said the Constitution's for the living, not for the dead. Old guys, paraphrase. Uh, it's for the living to interpret it to today's points of view.
2: Hmm. I have to fact check that one. I'll take 206's word for it for now. And now it is time
0: for the letter of the day. Letter of the day. It's up to you, Greg Tomlin.
2: I have the honor. Okay, yes. ording Roy John. I understand the guinness book of records has a new category you might have a shot at the radio host that elicits the phrase joe mama the most times during a three hour period good luck putting that in your book
1: joe mama put that in your book
0: i think we got a shot Hell is all right, Greg. You're coming That's back. Uh, we got one more hour. You got to do. Gotta Stick around for that, no <clears throat> and then are you back tomorrow as well? Can't wait. If
4: you'll, me. No. if you'll have me, if you'll have me. Here you go. If you have me.
3: <laughs>